Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J., take it away. Bonus time to Ben Jarofsky Show. We're the hardest working podcast in the city of Chicago. We've been going at it all day. Dr. D, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash, man. It's been working hard. We just finished an episode, a bonus episode about the Bulls. Now we're going to shift gears. <laughs> go to a different topic, uh, one that's literally in the streets of Chicago, uh, the Chicago teacher strike. And as we do all the time on uh, bonus episodes of the Ben Jarofsky Show, first I announce the date. It's Friday, October 18th, 2019. And then I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself, in this case himself. Distinguished guest needs no introduction on this show because he's been on it before. But introduce yourself anyway, guest. You are... Hi, um, this is Tim Tutton, a uh, member of uh, Chicago Teachers Union, local AFT, local number one, and uh, co-owner of The Hideout. All right, very good. And to do me a favor, just move that board that's in front of you right here out of the way. Yeah, because this is uh, being live streamed and didn't want to block it. All right, Tim Tutton. Yeah, a lot of people in Chicago in the music scene, they go, oh, Tim Tutton. Tim Tutton runs the hideout, or he's one of the co-owners of the hideout, or Tim Tutton's the guy who gets on stage and introduces bands, or he introduces Girl Talk uh, every fourth Tuesday, or first Tuesdays, every first Tuesday of the month. He's the guy who talks at the hideout. But what people may not realize uh, is that Tim Tutton has two lives, <laughs> at least, and in another life, he is a public school teacher here in the city of Chicago. He's dressed in red, uh, as you can see on the live feed. And uh, he came bearing a sign. Uh, can you see that sign? It's partly yeah. bro uh, blocking Dr. D. Yeah. Chicago Public Schools on strike for my students. Yeah. Uh, there it is. And Tim. The other side, parents, educators, students together. Yeah, and parents, educators. So when, uh, about two weeks ago, I went up to Tim, and we were, uh, when I saw him at the hideout, uh, and there was talk of a teacher strike. They hadn't uh, obviously gone on strike yet. And I said something, Tim Tutton, I think, is a, Tim Tutton's a man of peace. But I said, I thought he was going to throttle me when I said to him, so Tim, are you going to, if they go on strike, are you going to honor the strike? And Tim Sutton said, I am not a scab. And uh, so you have been honoring the strike. Absolutely. I honored the strike and I honored the strike along with 94%, which it's a hundred, it, it really, there might be a couple of people that, but in our union, it's the. 99%. I think, but the actual vote was 94%. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tell folks a little bit about your your day job as a teacher. Where do you teach? I am a high school social studies teacher, uh, middle, middle and high school. I teach middle school students and high school students social studies. Um, and, and I teach at Nancy B. Jefferson High School. And where is that? Where, 
Nancy B. Jefferson High School is the Chicago public school that is located within the Cook County Juvenile Detention Center uh, here in Chicago on Roosevelt Road and Ogden, where they come together. It's the big white building. Most people know it as that's where the kids, um, teenagers go to court, all right, if they are accused or charged with something. Actually, right upstairs on the second, the first floor is the courtrooms, the second floor is the high school, mm -hmm. and then third, fourth, and fifth floor are the um, residencies for our students. Now, Tim, I've known you for a long time. When I first met you, you were teaching at the Old Jones. Uh, it was a commercial school yeah. on State Street. Yeah. Uh, you, we were both young men yeah. uh, in those days, you younger than me. Uh, and uh, so I know you've taught at schools, a variety of schools in the city of Chicago. Uh, yeah. uh, what is, what's unique about teaching in essentially, uh, a, well, a jail for kids? What's it, What's the unique uh, part about that so it's it, it's not unique at all on the one side and it's completely unique in and in, in people in people not familiar with education or the chicago public schools it would be completely strange to them all right and i i, I can try to I, it's hard to explain it, but I'll, of course, I'll obviously try because we have more than a half hour, all right? And there's not a band waiting for me <laughs> to just play. You can riff. Just you and me. Yeah. And the 10 or so other people that might be listening to this right Let's now. Let's hope it's more than that. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, our school, Nancy B. Jefferson, is a high school. Mm -hmm. If you were inside the classrooms that we are in, you would feel like you're in any high school, in, in any typical Chicago public high school. All right. And that's how we operate. We have regular classes. Our classes are extended period. So there's 75 minutes of class that gives us more time to work with the students. Um, a lot of our students need a lot of extra focus. And so it's like a regular high school. What's different about our school is that it is in a detention center. All right. And so we do have guards and there are guards in every room. And we call them YDS, which means Youth Development Specialists. So these are actual guards, but they are trained in working with kids. So every guard knows how to communicate and how to talk to kids. Is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? That should not be a big deal. The crazy thing is that to people not familiar, I don't know, uh, let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. Teenagers, juveniles, adolescents are going through a very tough time in their life, whether they are in Wilmette or whether they are in Englewood or whether, and whether they're going to Whitney Young or whether they're in the juvenile detention center a couple of blocks away. They are teenagers. And people often forget that. When a kid says to you anything like, you know, you suck, okay? Let's say something I could say on the radio, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with a teenager, your instant response might be, you, the kid was wrong. He needs to stop and he needs to be, you know, you, he needs to be corrected. And that is inappropriate language for a classroom. To adults who work with teenagers, that might almost be a term of appreciation and affection for the kid. <laughs> and so it's yeah. like, dude, so we, so... <laughs> People that wear the uniform, police officers, YDS, at the, at the detention center, they're trained. Mm -hmm. These are kids. 
And so when they say certain things or do certain things, they're acting out. That doesn't mean they're making a violent action, okay? So it's really beautiful to be around these guards who really have a great rapport with the kids. It's hard for people to believe. And then us teachers, we're in there, and we have a lot of training too. We have a lot of professional development in how to work with our kids because our students have, for the most part, social-emotional needs. So we incorporate into all of our classes social-emotional learning. We know that anything we say can be a trigger. Anything. Right now we're talking about, we're actually learning the Constitution. And we're doing the preamble this week. Which, by the way, that was a perfect setup for me to talk about what are the first lines of the preamble? In order to create a more perfect union. Can we say it again? Union. Can I hear that one more time? (laughs) Union. What kind of union? More perfect union. Are we perfect now? Not yet. Are we going to get there? Yes, we are. (laughs) Sorry, I just got back from the rally. But but to my kids, I wasn't trying to influence them in any way. But that will be on the test. They do need to know the first lines of the preamble of the constitution is to create a more perfect union and that's don't we all want that that is correct Um, they know that that related to the actual 13 colonies becoming states that they Mm -hmm. had to learn to get along but that always leads into things when we say the next one we talk about to promote the general welfare Mm -hmm. immediately some of our kids might really get into a thing well what does that mean and they really literally start saying I don't know, man, food stamps. Does that mean like WIC? Does that mean like that, that, that means like section eight, they start throwing out terms that they know that is connected to words like welfare. Welfare. When I say to them, um, to promote domestic tranquility. Mm -hmm. And then as a teacher, we do student discourse all the time. So when I ask them, tell me what that means. And there will be kids that will go domestic. It's like domestic violence. Right. And they, and they say that all of my classes, there will be students that will say domestic. Does that mean like domestic violence? And so we talk about that. Domestic means your house, violence in your home, right? What is the constitution saying? We must have domestic tranquility. We'll have students that speak Spanish as their first language. All right. And they will, when we, we talk about that, they'll go like tranquilo. And you'll be like, yeah, what's that mean? They'll go, oh, chill, calm. Mm -hmm. So we want calmness in the home. And where's our home? And then there are kids, because we're in Chicago public schools, we have over 15,000 students that are homeless. And many of the students that are in the juvenile detention center, they are not, they do not have an address, mm-hmm. a permanent address. Yeah. Our kids literally will say things like, I stay somewhere. Um, and so we, so every single word that we say in there has a repercussion with our students. And we always have to think about that. All right, right? now, I'm going to, uh, so... You just gave a sense of of who is in your classroom and the specific role you serve uh, as a teacher working with your colleagues at the Juvenile Detention Center on Roosevelt Road. I'm going to fast forward now to the rhetoric that's occurring right now in the city of Chicago as the teachers are on strike. So just keep that in mind, what Tim yes. just said about the, the role he plays, the places her kids, kids come from, the sort of the environment they're in. These kids are being held for uh, various a- allegations, accusations of crimes. Uh, and They've been charged with charged. it. They haven't been found that's at the detention center. It's not a... That's right. Okay. Uh, so they've been charged. And uh, right now we're hearing so many uh, political observers saying uh, this is a political fight by the teachers union that's trying to seek re- uh, vengeance against Lori Lightfoot because they supported Tony Preckwood. This is how people in the city of Chicago, by and large, the pundit class, uh, Tim, have have 
described this showdown. So you know what you deal with every day. You know what your task is. You know what your challenge is. You know what the challenges your students face. What's your response to that when the uh, when you hear a pundit say, "Oh, this is just politics," and the union supported the wrong, the losing candidate, so they got to let the winning candidate know what it's all about? So we have been living in a time of cynicism for so long that people believe that bullshit. Okay, that it's all politics, right? This is unbelievable. When you are teaching high school kids about the Constitution of the United States, our founding fathers, our founders, they came out and they said that um, they said to the King of England, this is the Declaration of Independence, which we did last week. We're doing the Constitution this week. They said to the King of England, we hold this truth to be self-evident that all people are created equal. And, and the king said, no, they're not. And people don't believe they're equal. To this day, there is an aristocracy. The Queen of England is still there. Queen Elizabeth, they still have an aristocracy. But in America, we said something crazy. No, all people are created equal. And not only that, they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And amongst those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the first paragraph. That is the first part of our Declaration of Independence. We look at our children every single day because the state of Illinois requires in Public Law 195, they must learn about their government (laughs) and if they don't teachers will be held accountable so we must teach them that they're equal and that they're endowed by their creator with certain of us and amongst those are life liberty pursuit happiness so we got kids in jail and they look at that and they're like i'm not free it ain't my life i got no control over it i'm not happy right and we have to tell them these are ideals that we actually truly believe in in America, that we can do this. Then we go on to, we go from the philosophy of the Declaration to the actual law of the Constitution. And we say, there are laws. You have rights. This is it. And they are based on the promotion of your general welfare to establish justice, to provide the blessings of liberty to ourselves and, your, and our posterity. You're our posterity. We tell our kids that. And we mean that. We believe in that constitution. This is not political. This is because it is the foundation of our country. We have to teach our kids about why we went to the Civil War. Because some people held other people in slavery. They violated it. So we reinforced our Constitution with the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment provides equal protection under the law. If we didn't get it in 1776, we better damn well get it in 1867, right? Lincoln died for that. This is the land of Lincoln. Lincoln, right? And so we believe in due process. We believe in the equal protection. And the law says every student in Illinois must go to school. They cannot leave school before they're 17. If they do, their parents are breaking the law, right? They have to go to school, and they damn well better learn that they're equal, and they better damn well learn the 14th Amendment gives them equal protection under the law. So our kids go to school, and whatever. You have the situation, New Trier High School, where Rahm Emanuel went to high school, okay? (laughs) And then you got Manley and Marshall. There is an inequality that is unbelievable. So when these pundits or whoever they are at the Tribune or wherever, and they say, I would never question the Sun-Times, but I'm a little concerned about their editorial as well. When they say this political, the teachers are trying to get back at Lori Lightfoot or whatever. Yeah. No, it's not. 
We are upholding the absolute law of the United States, the demands of the Illinois State Board of Education, and all the requirements of the Chicago Public Schools. The reason I teach at a school that's in a jail is because by law the kids have to go to school. So we have to do this, right? So we're fulfilling the law. All the teachers are saying is that there's got to be a nurse in every school because every student must have accessibility if they have asthma, if they have to have shots, if they have to have special medicine mm -hmm. given to them during the day yeah. that parents demand that their students might have Adderall or whatever it is. There needs to be a nurse there prepared for yeah. that. You have a thousand kids, 200 kids in a school. A lot of them are eight years old. You don't want a nurse in a school. We don't have money for a nurse in the school. Are you kidding me? The violation is not the, is not the union is fighting to not because we're trying to do something against Lord, Mayor Lightfoot. We are doing something because we are upholding the laws of America, the American with disability. I mean, okay, so here's the thing, the, the unbelievable thing. Mayor Lightfoot understands this because she is brilliant. And many teachers voted for her. You know, she got elected in every ward, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Many teachers, the union, they endorsed Tony Preckwinkle. And we love her too. Okay, she is the president of our county and she is the president that oversees the Cook County Jail and the juvenile detention center that I teach in. And she's done a great job. The reason that we have such a great facility, that we have guards that are trained, that we have less students there. We have a capacity for over a thousand kids and we have about 500 because mm -hmm. she has changed the brand and she has helped with Tom Dart and other people. She has helped make sure that kids are not being incarcerated. All right. There, there are much we, we, there are my, there are less students incarcerated today than there were five years ago, all right, before Mayor, President Preckwinkle. So we have this amazing president of Cook County. She ran against another amazing person. I'm not saying this facetiously. I'm saying this for real. Lori Lightfoot, who knows and has said and publicly has said, we need nurses. So we need why? Why has it come down to this? We are living in a country. This is unbelievable. We are So here we are living in a time in Chicago that is a golden moment, a golden era. We have a great president of Cook County. We have a great mayor of Chicago. In my, in my and many people's opinion, the people of the city voted for her, right? We have Janice Jackson. She is great. There has never been a more qualified CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, and I'm not being ironic or facetious or sarcastic. Janice Jackson is the first person ever to grow up, go to Chicago Public Schools, go to college, become a teacher in the Chicago public schools, rise up through the ranks to be a principal, and made it all the way to CEO. She's the dream of what we always hoped would happen. I think Manfred Bird may have uh, beat her at that, but whatever, finish your point. Okay, that's okay. Uh, going Great. way back in time. That is good to know. <laughs> but we have this person yeah. in Janice Jackson who is really, really, mm -hmm. a, I believe, like a, can, is a great CEO, all right? And then... This is what Renaissance are like. Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci lived it like same period of time, right? We've got Jesse Sharkey, who's really great. Okay, the nerd of nerds. He knows the ups and downs and the details. He can he can respond in a second on all the little details, right? Nerd of nerds. We love that. And then we've got Stacy Davis Gates. Stacy Davis Gates. She will someday be 
if she is not a U.S. representative, if she is not a senator, uh, she is, when I hear her speak, when I see the way that she comes, the way that she can articulate as a high school teacher, thinking about how could I be a better teacher and try to articulate myself to my students in a clear way, but have a sense of humor, but at the same time, respond to the question succinctly, clearly, and profoundly. Stacey Davis Gates does that. And the great leadership of, of President Sharkey is that he is the great kind of leader that says he might understand these little, what he, he's a great speaker too, but he understands little details. Stacey Davis Gates speaks, right? Because she is... I, it, it's it's gift, but she also she's educated and learned. And my point is, we have these amazing people, yeah. and they are coming together right now. And it is blowing our minds in the union why we haven't come up with an agreement yet. This is not some last minute thing. All summer long, and leading up to April, when the new mayor was coming in, her people knew this was happening. Everyone's been talking about the contract for a year. People felt maybe Rahm even didn't run in part because he knew the contracts were all coming up yep. and it was going to be another shit show with him mm -hmm. because of, think of him and Rahm, how he dealt with teachers. F you, mm -hmm. Karen Lewis, that's how Rahm dealt. Our new mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, she is respectful. She, I, she, she respects our union, mm -hmm. right? And it is frustrating to us that there is something so clear and that is why the union is saying, finally, we have somebody who's logical, thoughtful, and intelligent. Okay, so we need a nurse in every school. Got it? Mm -hmm. We need a counselor. We need counselors in every school. We need to have social emotional learning in every school. That is what the laws of this state would require. This is what the parents want for their children. Can you think of one parent that wants their kid to go to a school that doesn't have a healthcare person in yeah. that school? Their 10 year old? Can you think of anybody that doesn't want to have a counselor there? Our children in our schools come from tragic circumstances. Mm -hmm. We hear this every single day. You can turn on WBZ every day, even today, and they were talking about the, 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 the death rate and the south side of Chicago, how people live to be 60. It, it's so, and it starts at a very young age where we don't have pre-K or we don't have all the things. Mayor Lightfoot knows what we need. Janice Jackson knows what we need. Our leadership in the in the union couldn't be better. Mm -hmm. All right. And so it is very frustrating to us. So we are a union that is saying to our city and we're saying to our country too, you know what? There were people in Selma, Alabama that marched for our voting rights. Okay. There were people in Birmingham, you know, that marched so that people in Chicago could have rights. Our union in Chicago is AFT number one. All right. And our union will lead the way <laughs> to the rest of the country. Yeah. And when we get up there and we say that we all we're asking is for what wealthy suburban districts already have because they're fulfilling the law. We are needing all we're saying is give us what we're supposed to have. And we're saying they're saying this is some political personal stuff. Yeah. That's the age of Trump. That's the age of Reagan on yeah. is that oh, it's all politics. It's personal. You don't like me. And so you're doing that. We do not not like Lori Lightfoot. Many of us voted for her and we believed she was the person that was going to be able to do this. Yeah. And we still believe and I still believe that I still believe it's Monday morning. <laughs> They're going to go, dudes, we're back in school. We had, I, I know. Yeah. And when I read these things that just come, are coming out, this yeah. thing might take a while. It makes us realize there are forces here that are 
pushing people and pushing our elected leaders. Okay. That is unbelievable. Okay. But this is not the union being spiteful or political. This is the union fighting for the rights of, uh, for the rights that are exposed to be in our the constitution of the United States and in, uh, and in the state of Illinois. And the state All of right. Chicago. Now, um, I like, to Sorry. Po- I like to point out uh, that, uh, Tim Tutton's, uh, hideout is located right in the midst of a huge development. Uh, the Lincoln Yards development, which will be surrounding the hideout. I I presume they're not going for eminent domain to uh, remove the hideout, at least not yet that I know of. And so your establishment, which you've run, you and your wife and your friends have run since the 90s, will be completely surrounded by Lincoln Yards, which um, has been fortified and underwritten uh, with a promise from the city, a contractual promise for $1.3 billion that, among other things, will pay help pay for the lawyers for uh, the developers and their uh, marketers uh, for the developers. It's in there in the contract. And yet our city is incapable of committing by contract to hiring nurses and social workers and counselors in school. I have a little difficulty with that one, Tim, uh, trying to figure out what kind of priorities we have uh, as a city of Chicago. You see this. Yep. You, This guy, Tim Tutton, has a front row seat to both sides of Chicago. He teaches in the jail, ladies and gentlemen, the juvenile detention center, and he runs a bar in an area that is one of the hottest real estate markets in the world, or in the city. The kids who end up in the jail can't get a commitment from the city for nurses and social workers and counselors that would help keep them. I'm talking about in their neighborhood schools. Neighborhood that would help schools. keep. Yes. I presume there's nurses in the jail uh, that would yes. keep them from going, ending up in the jail. But the <laughs> identifying neighborhood, there's $1.3 billion for them. Tim, that must blow your mind. All right. It blows my mind. And but I want to be really clear. Where I teach in the jail, mm-hmm. all right, in the juvenile detention center, I have a great principal and great assistant principals, all right? They were out there today giving us water, giving us roles, supporting us, right? Um, I, The teachers at our school, in every classroom, we have two teachers, all right? One is an expert in special needs and, and reading and all kinds of special things that our students need. And then one is a subject teacher, math, social studies like I am. And then we have a guard. There's three adults in the room all the time, right? And we only have 15 kids in the class. So we have smaller class sizes and we have more adults and we get things done. And we have a very supportive, the teachers at our school are so, um, it's so beautiful that, and, and they're so good to the kids. We really believe in, in, in teaching about empathy. We know that our kids, they came in because they are, um, it is, um, our, our, our kids come in because they're traumatized and we identify, we recognize that. And so we make sure that the way we are working with them is acknowledging that. So our school, of course, the kids live there. They are residents. We have nurses and we have teachers and we have counselors and our kids see counselors every day, right? Our school is fully staffed with wonderful people because they have to because they know because of the situation that are that we're in we have to meet those kids needs our kids are in our school in large part many of them they dropped out of high school mm-hmm. because at the high schools that they went to they didn't have 
more counselors. They didn't have nurses that were able to see if the kid was eating right. If the, why the, why the kid was sleeping in class to go, are you eating at home? Right. To follow up and identify issues like that health related that might be caused through, um, parent, parents are, um, the kids are neglected. Right. So we, other schools in the city don't have all the things that we have in the jail. So what do some of our kids do? Some of our kids don't don't have a counselor there that will talk to them and they don't have a home that they can go home to so that they can talk to some adults. And so where do they go? They're out on the street. They're out in the street. And what happens when you're out on the street? There's an amazing group of recruiters out on the street, gangs, and they'll, uh, they'll identify our vulnerable young people and they will pull them in. Our kids don't want to go there. They don't want to be with those guys. They would rather be in a nerdy school talking about the new Joker movie, okay, <laughs> than actually being out there living this, these, this horrible, in this horrible situation, all right? And so because of the lack of support for our neighborhood schools, our kids feel alienated. How else would they feel? Okay, every suburban school, all the wealthy suburban districts, they do everything to not alienate their kids. They have arts programs and extra after school programs and weekend things and every sport you can imagine and all kinds of counselors. And they get the kids lined up for college from the very beginning, starting in eighth grade, all that stuff. Our kids don't have that. Then our kids end up in jail. And when they're in jail, they literally look at us so like, what's going on here? And we're like, we're going to work every day. We're going to do assignments every day. You are going to be fed every day. And we're going to get you to feel like what it's like to be in a fully service school. So my school is really great. And I'm lucky to be there. And this is the weird thing of America. Because some of our kids feel lucky to be there too. Mm. They're like, wow, I'm actually here. And I have guards that actually I can joke with. But they will make sure that I do my homework mm-hmm. on Saturdays. And I have teachers that actually go out of their way and in other schools because teachers are there. There aren't enough teachers. There's not enough adults in the room. Kids don't get the kind of push and support. And every teenager needs to be pushed and supported Mm. and, and, and all that. So so our school is great. But why is it that we have over 125 high schools, 600 schools in the city? How, how could this be? So I, I hope I'm just like making it really clear. I'm one of the lucky guys. And so this is a thing, though, about people that the people in when I mentioned earlier, the people in the civil rights movement down in Selma who fought for voting rights, they made it better for all of us, right? And us teachers that are in better schools, selective enrollment schools, all that, and we could debate that issue, mm-hmm. okay? They, they, they are out there for us because they know every single school should be a great, wonderful school. And that's what every parent wants. They want to be, and every adult wants. Okay. Sorry. Well, that just goes to show something about the uh, the strange uh, world that exists in the city of Chicago. Uh, the school that's in the juvenile detention center has access to the nurses and the counselors, et cetera, and so forth. Right. By virtue of the fact that it's in the detention center, that the schools uh, in the neighborhoods do not have. And right. so we, we as a society say we want our kids to walk the straight and narrow so they don't end up in the detention center, but to get the resources they need that to have help them walk that the way <laughs> straight the world, and narrow. You got to go to the detention center. The the There's something twisted about that, Tim. Is that when we build Englewood STEM Academy, the new school in Englewood, yeah. we all celebrate that. And we all think that is really wonderful. There is a beautiful, beautiful school in Englewood. Thank you. But then that's one. There's 
there's 50 wards, 77 neighborhoods, mm-hmm. 125 high schools, right? Every school needs to be quality. Every single school. And that's not political. That is equality. That is a fulfillment of what we, by law, are supposed to be providing for our innocent children. And these are innocent kids. The kid who's born in Wilmette, he didn't ask to be born in Wilmette. And as a matter of fact, when he gets out of high school and college, he moves down to Logan Square. Okay? Can't wait to get here. The school is <laughs> flooded with North Shore kids who can't wait to get out of the hellhole of the suburban banality that they're raising, including Mayor Emanuel. All right? Then, then, yeah. yeah. And then the kids that, the kids yeah. that grow up in the worst neighborhoods possible, mm-hmm. right? Then we do a double standard to them. We say to them, don't leave, come back, stay here, help, help the kids in the neighborhood you grew up in. And the kids in the neighborhood that they grew up in, in the rough neighborhoods, whether it's Roseland or whatever, they're just like, no, like the suburban kid wants to get out of the boring North Shore. The kid who grows up in the roughest neighborhood in America wants to get out of that neighborhood and move to the suburbs, right? And we're like constantly telling the children who are the victims of violence, don't leave, stay here, but we're not going to give you a decent school. Yeah. We're not going to give you anything. We're going to, you know, so, and this thing has been going on since my parents went to the suburbs in the sixties. Why did, why did, why did white flight occur? It wasn't racism, right? Every parent told their kid, we wanted you to have good schools. Mm-hmm. We wanted you to be in a safe, good neighborhood. Yeah, and the way, so, the way we fund schools in the state of Illinois, as Tim very well knows, is primarily through the property tax. So if yeah. you go to a suburb, you're paying your way. It's as though it's like, almost like a gated community in terms of education, Tim. Uh, you live in the suburb, you fund your schools, you pay for it yourself right out of your property taxes. There's a sense of ownership. Uh, in the city of Chicago, somehow or other, it's removed. So yeah. some of the people uh, who are the wealthiest people in the city of Chicago don't send their kids to public schools or to a, a, a neighborhood public school. And so they don't feel that connection. And so right. they put up with uh, schools without nurses and we're told that there's no money uh, for nurses. So, uh, so let's talk about a gated community. There is a new gated community coming to Chicago and it will be opening up any day now. And it's called Lincoln Yards. Okay, because the new white flight, you know it, we know it, everyone's talking about it. You could read Cranes every day and you could read every real estate magazine. That's where you find out what's really going on. North Shore mansions are stabilizing and decreasing in value. Mm -hmm. Okay, downtown high rises are going up. Ken Griffin, he buys penthouses in the city. Okay, he wants to live on whatever, whatever he lives down there. And not only does he love Chicago, he'll build it by a $200 million penthouse in New York, too. He's got to have a high rise. The ivory towers have come back. So the white flight that left the city and left our neighborhoods devastated for good schools in the suburbs. Now, those folks are back and they're coming to Lincoln Yards. They want a parking garage with a security guard. They want to go up in the elevator and they want to look out over the city. But they do not, and they want us to pay them a billion dollars. And they want to take it away from our Chicago, for the potentially going to our Chicago public school kids, right? So the same people that said 50 years ago, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm going to the suburbs. Now they're like, <laughs> I'm back and you're going to pay for it again. Yeah. Baby boomers, empty nesters, whoever, or these or young people who grew up in the suburbs who want to go to Logan Square and turn it into a suburban style mega mall, yeah. whatever it is. 
and the city subsidizes it. The meanest thing in the world, you want to know what's political? You know what's political? It is not when our union, the Chicago Teachers Union, um, fights with Lori Lightfoot. That is smart people arguing over an issue that's as big as the United States of America going back to 1619, okay? That's how big of an issue. And these intelligent people, Janice Jackson, Lori Lightfoot, Stacey Davis. Gates. Gates. Uh, and and um, Jesse Sharkey, don't forget the president. Yeah. These people are having a serious argument and trying to figure out how do we provide and pay for these things that make America great, right? No. You know what's political? The last mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, he said to Lori Lightfoot, he said, hell with you. I am not going to let you screw my friends at Sterling Bay. I'm going to make sure on the last meeting or the last day or the last moment on the 11th hour, on the 11th month, on the 11th thing, I'm going to get that 90. I'm going to get the 78 through and the Lincoln Yards thing through. Screw the kids. And you know what? Before the summer's over, after I'm going to take a bike ride around the lake, not to really clear my mind of what really matters in life, I'm going to ride my bike right back down to LaSalle Street and get a job with a big New York investment firm. Okay. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. And that's the dude who gets to go on TV every week and talk about how the Democratic Party should be winning the 2020 election. That guy, he he slapped Lori Lightfoot's face. He said to her, I'm not letting you, you are not going to be the mayor who is going to decide on Lincoln Yards. There's billions of dollars and I'm going to ram it through. And he did. And the people of Chicago, we were out on the streets today begging for decent schools for our kids and people are going to criticize us people are applauding us they're like thank you the people that should when people should have been out in the streets was in april which many great people were and many of the young older persons were who shut down LaSalle street back in back in april mm -hmm. and they said that is when they said that's the real political thing that's the real screw that was when ron pushed through these big tiff deals and you know what I sometimes think because I my our, the hideouts in Lincoln Yards or surrounded by surrounded what's called by, Lincoln yeah. Yards, I sometimes think, is it only me who's thinking this, right? And then I go down to the rallies and they're passing out all this stuff, Students First Lincoln Yards, and they lay it out. And it is. And the mayor knew it. From the get-go, she ran on a position that said, I know where Lincoln Yards is. I have been to that area. I have been to the hideout. I have been to the schools. I know what's going on here, right? She knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we know what's going on. And so what is happening here, this isn't the union being the bad people, keeping kids out of school. This is major multinational corporate international money and developers that are like, controlling who knows who so let me ask you this in conclusion how do you see this shaping up do you think that the public at large will indicate uh, let Lori lightfoot know that they're on the side of the union in dispute and want it uh, and want this matter uh resolved it's in the way that w the union's uh, demands for uh, nurses uh, are met etc nurses and counselors etc met or do you think ultimately uh, the powers that be that won over the Lincoln Yards deal will prevail no I, I still believe in I believe in our mayor Lori Lightfoot and I believe in our union that makes sense and I believe they are going to come to an agreement all right 
and they are going to come up with something. I, I am not a spokesperson for the union at all, obviously. Mm-hmm. My job in these marches <laughs> was to just carry a cart that yeah. there was other people on megaphones. Yeah. And all I was was a, like just a dude who carried a sound cart. Yeah. Okay. My my, I am happy to have the people at the union speak and have Stacey Davis Gates speak. But what I'm saying is that I actually still believe that they are going to be in a that they are. Here's the thing. This is a weird thing. You know, we are so stuck in Chicagoland that it's like they're gonna the, the, the group of people are gonna get into the room. It used to be the guys are gonna get into the room over yeah. at the Blackstone Hotel and Tom Keen is gonna talk to Daly and all that. We just grew up around that. Now the beauty of our new world, the beauty yeah. and amazingness that gives me so much hope, is that who's the new guys? The new guys are Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson, Stacy Davis Gates. You know, those are pretty cool people, right? And pretty smart. And, but what I love is that when they keep talking about how there's 40 members of the bargaining committee and all that, our union is very democratic and our leadership makes sure that everything is going through. Like everybody is, is made fully aware of what's going on. And I would really hope that on the city side, that they would acknowledge there's no city versus union side that we are I still believe that we are all a community and that we actually are smart people. And I think our mayor is going to work with our union and they're going to come up with an agreement. And that agreement is going to have some kind of number of nurses and some kind of number. And I, I hope she's, I think she's going to put some things in writing. All right. Let's end this interview on a positive note. So much of what we've been talking about has been, uh, uh, pessimistic, but I'm willing to end this interview, uh, which is the last interview I'm doing for this week of week one of the strike. And let's ho- hope that Tim Tutton is correct. Uh, and that at this point next week, yeah, next Friday, Friday, that would be, let me do the math, the 25th of October, the strike will have been resolved. Uh, there will be an agreement made that uh, to uh, hire nurses and uh, social workers and counselors and librarians, etc. cetera. Uh, and then the city will move on to the next equally challenging uh, task, figuring out how to pay for it all, uh, which will be a discussion for another time, probably at the hideout. Uh, Tim Tutton, thank you so much for coming on. That's Tim Tutton. He's the uh, one of the co-owners of the Hideout, and um, got it. I didn't say this up top, but I'll maybe I did. I just forgot. I, I host a show uh, first Tuesdays at the Hideout, yeah. and Tim introduces our show uh, every first Tuesday when he's in town. Anyway, so I'll see you there on November fifth. That's Tim Tutton. I'm Ben Jarofsky.